Hello. Hello. Welcome back to It's Mental Podcast. Ah,、uh, it's been a while because、uh, I'm really busy with my solo. But today we are back. Yeah.、Uh, yeah. Today I'm、uh, interviewing Sarah. <laughs> Sarah, who are you? Well,、uh, some people know me as Sarah, and some people know me as Diva Delicious. Oh. Which is my burlesque name. And I guess that's what I've been doing. The majority of my performing <laughs> the past couple years has been burlesque, opera singing,、mm-hmm. opera singing, burlesquer. I don't know which order. <laughs> how, how how did you get into burlesque and、uh, opera singing? Well, opera singing. So I've been singing my whole life.、Um, when I was younger, I thought I wanted to do Broadway and musical theater. And then in university, I just started training more in an operatic direction, and Became really into just the the technique and the challenge of opera singing,、um, and so and then the burlesque happened recently. I just went to a show a few years ago、um, with friends. I went to a burlesque show, and we saw these three women who were all friends doing burlesque together. Uh, and I thought, well, that would be super fun to do with、mm-hmm. opera.、Mm-hmm. And a month later, like we had our first show in this little space where I lived, and yeah, I just kind of caught the bug. I loved it. I just thought it was so fun. May I ask what is、uh, burlesque? So burlesque is the tradi- in the traditional sense, it's like a dance striptease,、mm-hmm. but kind of vintage. It's what they It was kind of what stripteases were in the nineteen thirties, nineteen forties. So you don't get completely naked, and it's more of like a, it's really like about the, the kind of slow removal of clothing.、Mm-hmm. But n- so that's kind of like a very traditional、um, burlesquer would look、mm-hmm. kind of like a nineteen forties pinup, and you don't get completely naked. You have pasties on, and you have underwear on. Um, and like very shiny and、mm-hmm. uh, kind of c- costumes,、uh, but then there's all these spinoffs where it's like burlesque mixed with other types of art forms.、Mm-hmm. And what I do is definitely like a very silly, campy version、mm-hmm. where it's、um, I don't know all my pieces. I'll find an.、Uh, An aria, an opera aria, and get an idea for kind of a concept, and I really tell a story、mm-hmm. through like one song、mm-hmm. that I sing,、mm-hmm. and it can be really like weird and funny usually. Wow, sounds cool. Yeah. And uh, uh, where are you from? I'm from Washington D.C. originally.、Mm-hmm. And what brought you to Berlin? Ah,、uh, I came to Berlin because Germany just has a lot more opportunities for opera singers. And it was、um, a time in my life where I had a relationship end, and you know, kind of realized I didn't have much tying me to the U.S. at that moment. So it was a good time to come over and see if I wanted to pursue things abroad. And I just kind of fell in love with Berlin,、mm-hmm. and have been here four or five years now.、Oh, wow! Yeah, and.、Uh, Um, I in、uh, before before we started recording, like、uh, um, I was uh, quite uh, surprised that we are from US. <laughs> and、uh, where、uh, did you think I was from? 
I have no idea because white people look the same. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, like <laughs> I, I really don't have a um, uh, idea, but uh, I, I was still quite surprised. And I, uh, knowing you, um, I, we are Facebook friends mm -hmm. uh, because uh, we got uh, shortly in touch with the Berlin Mental Health Festival from mm -hmm. last year. But mm -hmm. uh, uh, I didn't manage to follow through. Uh, and uh, through the few months uh, being Facebook friends of you, um, I I saw you update about uh, your your health situation, uh, having cancer, and uh, um, celebrate uh, little wins uh, every day. And uh, I I was quite moved, and I I thought, okay, I really want to get to know this person. Uh, but uh, when you arrive uh, and uh, told me that you are from US my first reaction is like wow holy shit you are lucky that mm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like uh, because cancer is such a bad thing but uh, knowing you are from US and having cancer in Germany is like uh, you hit the jackpot yeah I mean more than that I had just gotten into the KSK mm. so I had really just gotten into the healthcare system here wow uh, when I kind of found the tumor initially fuck you are lucky so, <laughs> it was very lucky and it was amazing to spend almost no money through this process and uh, uh are they paying you uh salaries too um, I didn't really look into that since I was like freelance and mm -hmm. with Corona. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was hard to. I'm sure that if I had wanted to pursue it, I could have gotten some mm -hmm. money for salary, but I just I was OK financially. And actually, I kept working. Um, I kept performing throughout my treatment and wow. was still kind of earning the same amount of money. Um, so I just didn't I didn't try to take more money out of the system. When uh when did you uh realize uh, when are you told or diagnosed? <sighs> it was kind of a long so. It was my official diagnosis came in May, mm -hmm. um, last summer, after I had been in the U.S. and I'd gotten my like vaccinations and everything, mm -hmm. and then I came back to find out that I had cancer. Mm -hmm. What type of cancer do you have? So I have breast cancer. Um. And yeah, I mean, I don't know how how detailed you want. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, just share as much you feel like. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to share anything. Mm -hmm. I I'm, I decided um, after kind of the initial shock. Mm -hmm. uh, I I realized like I had to share as mm -hmm. much as I could. Yeah, because I think the instinct and my instinct too when I got it was to like want to hide it. Mm -hmm. Um. And somehow, like, if you hide it, if it's not, then then it's not as real. Mm -hmm. But I was also like, how can I hide cancer? I'm going to yeah. lose my hair. Like, my body's good. Everything's yeah. going to change. <laughs> like, I can't, I don't, I can't, like, go through the world mm -hmm. pretending I don't have this. And mm -hmm. so then it was like, well, then I just have to tell everybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I have to share as much as possible. And also the idea that we feel like we have to hide our health problems um, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. And it was actually like sharing it and making it kind of public. The amount of like support and love and community that I had through the process was so valuable and so beautiful. So I encourage anyone going through 
any kind of health issues, whether it's mental health or physical health, to share with the people around you because, um, yeah, it's it's really it it allows your community to mm-hmm. kind of take care of you. Yeah, and, and I believe by hiding, we are uh, feeding the system that that uh, stigmatize uh, this type of uh, issues. Yeah, we're really creating this world where we all feel like we have to present this perfect image all the mm. time and be perfect all the mm-hmm. time. And uh, nobody is. And like we're all kind of crumbling under mm. that stress. So uh, in the past one year, what uh, have you been through? It was horrible. <laughs> it, was, it was really... Uh, so a little bit more about my story is that I have diabetes as mm. well. I got diabetes when I was two years old. Mm. So I've lived with a chronic illness my entire life. And when I got cancer, my brain was like, no, I've already been sick. Like mm. I can't get, you know, <laughs> I was like, no, no, I've paid my dues. Uh-huh. I've like had my sickness. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can this be happening? It was really like, I like looked at my body. I was like, wait, I thought we had an agreement. Like, I, thought we, I thought we'd like figured our stuff out. And yeah, you, you saw the diabetes is your su- uh, like a sacrifice. Right. I was yeah. like, I've, I've like, I've like reached my suffering. I've like suffered enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've, I've paid my due. I don't, it's like totally irrational, mm-hmm. but that's what it felt like. It was mm-hmm. like, no, my body and I, we understand each other now. Like we've mm-hmm. overcome our hardships and everything should be fine forever. But mm-hmm. obviously that's not the way like bodies work. Um, your initial reaction when you hear this, like, uh, uh, first reaction, how did you feel? (laughs) I just, I was like frozen. I went to my gynecologist who had done the biopsy Mm -hmm. and she gives me the news that yes, in fact, because it was crazy because I had Mm -hmm. a, had this tumor. I'd found it nine months before. Mm Mm-hmm. We did a biopsy. They took mm. three chunks out of it. It mm. came back totally benign. Mm-hmm. And she said, I didn't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. So, and she told me like, it wouldn't, couldn't, that this was just a fibroid. They're very common and I don't have to worry about it becoming mm. cancer and it's mm. fine. Mm-hmm. But she still wanted to like keep an eye on everything. Mm-hmm. And then it started growing like a lot to the point where I thought that it was actually going to eat through the skin Wow. Like it was like a bruise. It was like pushing out against my my boob. Uh-huh. And it was it just got huge. And I thought like something's up, you know, something's not right. But I still didn't think that it was cancer because she mm-hmm. told me that it couldn't be. Mm-hmm. And how long before you went to see the doctor? Like a- since I I guess I, I took like a couple months mm-hmm. from when I started really noticing that it was growing to Mm -hmm. to see the doctor because I had it I had an appointment already on the books so I was like I'll just go Mm -hmm. and talk about it at that appointment Mm -hmm. and she saw it and she's like oh we should re-biopsy it Mm -hmm. and my brain was like it can't be cancer but my body knew Mm -hmm. because I felt this like this just like sense of unease within mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. and I was and I yeah it's just like I just had this dread feeling and but when I got and she told me it was actually cancer I think I was just like totally shocked like I had no response for like a minute 
Mm-hmm. And then I just started bawling. <laughs> I just was like <laughs> crying in the, I was all alone, you know. I mean, I didn't have any friends or family with me. Mm-hmm. I was just like, ah. and my first thought was like, no one's ever going to love me. Like that was really, I just, I had this, I have this like <laughs> feeling of just being totally alone because, you know, I'm single and and it just feels like, well, now it's an impossibility mm-hmm. to find love because I'm like so, mm-hmm. I'm just like damaged goods at this point. That was kind of how it felt. And then. Uh, and how long to take you to go get back to a like a normal state? I don't know that I ever did get back mm-hmm. to a normal state. I would say maybe a month. Mm-hmm. I mean, I told once I kind of told everyone I knew, mm-hmm. like all my close friends and mm-hmm. all my family and then I guess it just I started I don't even I don't even know. It's hard to even think about. There's so many tests and things. It was like my mom came over mm-hmm. right away, which was really helpful just having that like family support. And Uh, and and you just you have to go and you have to get all these scans. So it was mm-hmm. like almost and go. There are tons of doctors' appointment, tons of scans because they want to check and see if like the cancer has spread to your organs or to your bones. And and they do an MRI and a CT scan and a bone scan. And then you're meeting with all the cancer doctors and you're planning your treatment and you have to check your heart and check like every they check everything. And the whole because it's Germany and they love paperwork and bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. There's always like five steps extra steps to yeah. like make the appointment and get the mm-hmm. the referral from your mm-hmm. original doctor and mm-hmm. it was just so it was like running around doing that and you know with each test you're just like okay I hope that you know it hasn't spread because obviously mm-hmm. if it's spread then like there's no cure mm-hmm. if it was in my bones or my organs mm-hmm. you can treat it but you can't cure it and it's mm-hmm. like a matter of years mm-hmm. you know to live so luckily that didn't happen all my scans came back clear my lymph nodes were clear and then he just start, I just started like preparing as much as I could for the actual chemo mm-hmm. like what you know how to how to get through it with how to manage the side effects how mm-hmm. to like organize my life um so that I could you know I wasn't sure if I would be able to keep performing or you know what I'd be able to do um so it was just things like that and then and then um and then I just took it really day by day mm-hmm. so I don't know that it ever felt normal but it was mm-hmm. like I kind of didn't think It was just like get through, get through. Mm-hmm. It was just a survival mode, really, mm-hmm. of like survive this. And uh, how? What kept you to fight it? Did you have any like a piece of moment thinking, "Ah, what's the point?" Um, no, I never. I. <sighs> I guess like at first when you first got the diagnosis but didn't know like all the details of the cancer and and really I just had no information about what cancer was you know mm-hmm. like I was totally uninformed about all of it 
at first I was like, well, maybe it won't be so bad. Like mm-hmm. maybe it's not like a, ter- you know, a bad cancer. And yeah. Maybe I can just get a lot. Like I would just was kind of like wishful thinking of like, maybe I can just do like a little bit of treatment, but I don't, I thought about, could I just cut my boobs off and then not have to do the chemo? Mm-hmm. But no, it turns out when you have cancer and I actually had quite an aggressive cancer, like it was very fast growing. Um, the theory is, is that cancer cells just leak to, mm-hmm. out to your entire body. Mm-hmm. So even if it doesn't appear to have spread anywhere, you have like free floating cells everywhere. Mm-hmm. So you have to do the chemo, mm-hmm. which is why you can't just get like a mastectomy and call it a day. Mm-hmm. Like you have mm-hmm. to target, you have to basically try to kill <laughs> all the cells in your, all the fast growing cells in your wow. body to hope that you don't, you get it all and then you won't have a recurrence. Um, I don't remember. Oh, did everything about giving up? No, I definitely, definitely want to live. Um, and with every stage, there's just this feeling cause it changed me. Like it's changed my body forever. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I think it took, it feels like it stole like 10 years of my life. Mm -hmm. kind of like put me into an older age um and it's kind of heartbreaking when you start thinking about all the ways in which like this cancer has like changed you and the side effects and the 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 new things I'll have to live with forever Mm -hmm. on top of what I was already living with with the diabetes but um yeah I mean you only get one life when like uh, after the initial shock, was there a moment you realize, oh, it's bad, but uh, it's still manageable? Yeah, it kind of kind of came slowly. I think from the beginning, I was thinking kind pretty optimistically. Mm-hmm. I was like, it can't be that bad of a cancer. Like it mm-hmm. can't be that. It can't be that bad. And then it was like every piece of information I got actually like it was worse than I thought. <laughs> it was like oh that oh that's bad oh that's bad. Oh, oh shit and it was like each new thing would like send me into kind of an anxiety spiral and then I would have to like of like oh no this is gonna kill me this is gonna kill like this is horrible I'm gonna die and then I'd have to like climb my way out and just be like okay we're doing I'm doing what I can do so it was it was just yeah it was a lot of like kind of my brain slowly wrapping its head around just how scary and how severe um, this cancer was. I really wanted to believe that it was a very, like, mild cancer. Mm -hmm. But um, I finally accepted now, like, no, it was a pretty aggressive, like, Mm -hmm. scary cancer. (laughs) I didn't have the worst case scenario Mm -hmm. because it hadn't spread. But all the other factors Mm -hmm. are like were pretty bad um and yeah I think I mean I guess what I realized through it is that people are just resilient Mm -hmm. like we we naturally want to survive things and most people will just kind of make the best out of what they're given and this is just like another example of that that you are you surprised by yourself? Yeah, I am surprised. <laughs> Actually, 
I am surprised, but then when I think about like what I've been through in my life and how I handled the diabetes, mm. it actually makes a lot of sense because I had to live my whole life managing a disease and honestly having cancer it was much more acute like the side effects and the the way I felt but it's a very similar thing Mm -hmm. it's a very I just I guess in some ways my coping mechanisms Mm -hmm. kind of just helped me through the process because mm-hmm. I, I would just have days where I'm like, okay, I feel horrible. And I would just feel horrible and I would relax. And then I'd have a performance coming up and I'd be like, okay, one foot in front of the other, do the performance, <laughs> go home and rest, you know, rest for a week, go to a performance, rest for a week. And that was kind of my life. How was your mental health uh, along this last year journey? It was up and down. I had I started doing like Reiki and I went to some and I went to an energy healer person and that really helped just to like kind of feel like I was doing something on a more spiritual level. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously I had some like really dark times like there was. Um, a month where I got a cold on top of the chemo and I felt so miserable and I would just like sit at home alone listening to audiobooks or watching Netflix mm-hmm. and yeah and how did you get out of that like what's your uh, your like uh, routine when this happens really nothing I really I didn't I didn't really try to get out of anything. I just kind of allowed myself the space to feel horrible. Mm-hmm. And I think the performing too, like having that in my life really lifted my spirits because A, it was a way to feel like normal. Like I wasn't sick, you know, it was, it's not like, There was something about just being sick that was really depressing to me. So this Mm -hmm. was like something I could do in which I didn't present as sick because I had all my makeup and my hair on and everything. And and it was, yeah, it was just part of like more of my my normal life. And it's just, you know, like a very fulfilling thing for me to be able to perform. Um, So that helped. But yeah, I think... um, I mean, I've been through a lot of dark periods in my mm-hmm. life, so it wasn't also a new thing to experience depression or mm-hmm. something. And I think in those moments, I try to real, I try not to fight it, and I also try to tell myself that like it won't last forever. You that's, know, that's that's uh, that's very true. I I I think uh, as a survivor. I think uh, the fundamental difference I have was dif- was before is that uh, before I didn't know it's it's temporary and now I know yeah. and once I know that it's uh, easier to keep going. Yeah, I think that's the key. Is like whatever you're feeling in any moment, even if it's really really oppressive or really mm-hmm. upsetting, it will pass. Because mm-hmm. everything passes, mm-hmm. you know. No feeling is permanent. I I want to ask you. It uh, might be a cliche, but uh, we always hear, "Oh, 
someone got cancer and they suddenly realize what's important for them. Mm -hmm. uh, did you have a moment like that? Yeah, it wasn't really a moment, but it definitely like just changed the way I think about things mm -hmm. in a really good way. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you just kind of realize what is valuable in life and what is not. And so many of the like, you know, day to day anxieties and drama just don't feel very important. And the things that are, are like loved ones, just that became so clear is that friends and family and people that love you and you love are it's like the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And then like the things that make me happy, like performing and, and stuff. But yeah, I really value like that human interaction, that connection. And, uh, uh, I, I saw you um, post very often about your updates. Uh, besides that, uh, have you um, participated in some type of project to share your experience and journey? No, I just posted those videos to kind mm. of, A, it was an easy way to keep everyone informed and mm. it was a way for me to feel like I was... Mm sharing my experience mm -hmm. um, but I haven't I haven't put it into any of my artwork yet mm -hmm. like I don't I think I will but I also almost think I need some time yeah yeah you take some time to um how do you say let it sit down okay? yeah and uh, then you when you look at it back it's more clear yeah like I'm still I mean I'm still in active treatment I still mm -hmm. have my radiation to do so I haven't even like finished the whole journey <laughs> yet even though I'm feeling better um and I I, I am interested to see like in a year or mm -hmm. you know once I'm through this and I process and my life goes in whatever direction it will go in like how it kind of filters into my artwork and my performing yeah yeah uh I I don't have cancer yet. Um, Hopefully, not yeah. on wood. You never will. Yeah, but but in my imagination, like uh, I feel, if one day I'm told I I have cancer, I would be okay. My life is over. Um, did you have this kind of feeling the first moment you you realized it? Yeah, I think that's where that feeling. I think for me, it was this feeling of like no one will ever love me. <laughs> is the same. It's like that. It's like I'm gonna be alone, mm -hmm. which to me is like my life is over because <laughs> like I don't want to be alone. Mm -hmm. um, I think that was that response. But now, now, do you still believe like uh, no one will love you? I don't. I don't know. Actually, I mean, the no one loving me thing is a fear I've had my whole life mm -hmm. and but then it's like through the cancer process I realized so many people love me it might mm -hmm. not be a romantic love but mm -hmm. like it is a pure beautiful love mm -hmm. and I guess something that happened in the process is that I don't feel that I need that anymore like mm -hmm. I would still love to have a partner but I don't need it I'm actually like fine on my own mm -hmm. and very 
and I have beautiful relationships in my life. And so, yeah, I'm not so worried as much as to whether it'll happen now. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's uh, that's beautiful and uh, powerful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It only took <laughs> took a, took that that whole like cliche of like you have to love yourself first. Mm -hmm. And I think this process really helped me kind of fortify myself in a way. Do you think, like? Uh, you ever be able to look at it like cancer as something positive happening in your life? I think like the shift in my perspective was very positive. Mm -hmm. And actually like just the the way that I perform now and, and like my, my ability to be on stage has really shifted in a great way. Mm -hmm. Like especially performing through cancer, through like the chemo is like, well, I just let go of a lot of my like anxieties about being perfect and, mm -hmm. you know, being loved is like, mm -hmm. I don't care about any of that. I just like want to like share my, <laughs> share my art and like emote on stage. And it really doesn't matter if I'm perfect or, you know, whatever. So I, so I'm like that. I'm very grateful to that. Like, I feel like a different person mm -hmm. in a way. I guess, like, it does give you, like, a strength of character. Mm -hmm. and, and I feel like as, as artists, we are really, really lucky that we have this uh, channel. We can, we can release our energy. And uh, even such uh, unfortunate event happens, we can, we can turn it into another type of energy. Yeah. Yeah. That was, the performing was the like most crucial thing while I was going through everything. I mean, there were days where I was like a zombie and felt nauseous, like could barely get up, but I, I did not cancel a single performance wow. <laughs> through the whole thing. How, how, how did you manage like uh, going through like a uh, treatment, doing all the extra paperwork and work full timely? How did you manage? I was not working full time. Like most of the time I was resting I mean, it did kind of feel like being sick was my full-time job, just like getting to the appointments and mm -hmm. getting. Um, so I had a lot, like I had a lot of downtime. Mm. And then and then when it came time to perform, it was just like, it was really just one foot in front of the other. Mm -hmm. It was, even no matter how bad I felt, I was like, just do it. Just like mm -hmm. go and do it. Don't think about it. Just do it. And I mean, sometimes, you know, I wasn't great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not like I, every time I performed, it was magical. Mm. Um, yeah, I love the word. Like a uh, stage is really where the magic happens. Like uh, it has so much power and uh, yeah. it gives so much energy. Yeah, yeah. And it, yeah, it, it be, does help. Be, being on stage, I think, is the most empowering thing ever I ever experienced. Yeah. Yeah, it really helped me feel like I had something beyond the this the cancer. I I think it would be a really cool project once uh, the dust have settled down like uh, to use your craft to tell a story, like mix mix like a uh, music, uh, yeah. opera, uh like a uh, dance and uh, storytelling, theater, monologue it's kind of thing. 
Yeah, I actually this week I was like, I need to create a like a a one woman show mm-hmm. kind of about this. Um, so that thought, like, really just a few days ago, kind of like popped into my head. Um, you know what? You know what? What's the best way to write a one woman show? What's the best way? Is to book a venue and fix a date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. That's probably true. And uh, and can and I can help with that. Oh, great! Yeah, yeah. and and uh, it's uh, I have been wanting to write my one woman show for two years, mm-hmm. and uh, then one day I just talk with a venue. I say, "Can you give me a date?" And uh, <laughs> then I just didn't work on it <laughs> i i one afternoon i wrote something and i said oh this is amazing and i never touched it and uh two weeks before stage time i realized i have nothing i had nothing oh my god and uh and uh half an hour before stage time i'm like there's no way i can do this fucking shit <laughs> and the first first three performance every time i want to cancel Mm-hmm. Like every time I'm mm-hmm. like I want to cancel, but mm-hmm. uh, but uh, my my colleague said, but you it's sold out. I'm like, yeah, but uh, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can just cancel because of co- COVID. <laughs> <laughs> can I just cancel this? Thing? <laughs> but um, I I think uh, um, the I I I burst into tears when you were talking, uh, because I it feels so relevant like so personal for me when you say you you fear you'll never be loved yeah and uh, that is a constant feeling i had uh, growing up and it's um it's now writing my solo show to relieve the trauma i realized oh it's a consistent theme like a signal like i got from the environment around me mm-hmm. and eventually it become part of me like uh, yeah. th- this nagging voice like uh, uh telling me and making me believe that uh, i don't deserve to be loved and no one will love me yeah and uh, for such long time it feels so true and it feels so real um but uh, once i live through it i realize oh that's totally not true right yeah, it's it's crazy how these things like seep into our consciousness at such a young age mm-hmm. and then it manifests in adulthood like this nagging feeling of like oh I'm not good enough I'm you know something's wrong with me something's mm-hmm. fundamentally mm-hmm. you know, and um it's hard to it's hard to shake that. I mean I I go through day to day I'm just like so hard on myself. So much of the my like inner monologue is like oh this isn't good like you know I this needs to be better that that's not good enough that's not good you know it's like always like criticisms of myself and who is that helping you know how did you realize that uh, oh this is a criticism this is a voice in me it's not me when were you able to distinguish this voice and yourself well I've done a lot of therapy Mm -hmm. like years and years and years and I think it was in that process that I started re- realizing, or at least having an awareness mm-hmm. of this kind of um, negative voice that as a, you know, and my therapist did a lot of work to, to kind of point it out and, and help me like accept myself mm-hmm. for who I was and where I was in life. Um, 
but it, that doesn't mean that that voice goes away. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that voice will ever go away. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like, how much power does it have? And exactly. when you hear it, are you able to say, wait, I don't believe that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> are you able to change them? You know, am I able to change my monologue, change my script? Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm working on now, especially because... I don't know, part of me feels like these things, like these these illnesses that manifest in the, that come from your body and manifest inside, like, I don't know, maybe it's totally random, but a piece of me thinks like, maybe it's, you know, maybe this like negative self-talk, maybe mm-hmm. these belief structures, you know, kind of manifest some of these things or, or, or you know, deteriorate mm-hmm. in some way. You you talk about uh, the energy therapy, like uh, uh, have to to see it in a spiritual way. Would you call call yourself spiritual now? I guess yeah. I'm I'm one of the I'm one of these people that like doesn't really believe in ev- anything, but also believes in everything. Mm-hmm. So I won't. I I won't pretend that like I have any kind of answers or that there's any like truth that I can mm-hmm. tap into but I do I do like I do like to I do think that like you know our energy is like I do like to think there are things going on that like we can't see and feel mm-hmm. and it, it feels nice to do these like energy work mm-hmm. and the reiki feels amazing so yeah, like I guess it's um now do you actually believe there's a higher power? I don't know if it's a higher power in like the sense of God. Or it's like energy? Yeah, I guess I'm more I guess if there's a philosophy that I would believe in or that I'm drawn to, it's more like a Buddhist kind of yogic philosophy of mm-hmm. the idea that like we are god like mm-hmm. we everything around us mm-hmm. is we're all connected we're all made of the same things so we actually are we encompass like the whole universe in mm-hmm. our body mm-hmm. um I, I think that's a beautiful idea and it connects us to our environment and to mm-hmm. people and to the things around yeah. us so yeah i do i guess i do believe in that uh you know growing up in china like being religious is not really like allowed and uh, I, I I I thought I'm the last person uh, who would believe in this kind of uh, non-scientific stuff but uh, um, last year I think last year actually around this time like I clearly felt like a God was in me mm-hmm. and uh, since then like uh, once I believe it in it like I don't believe like God, God, like Jesus, God, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, like the universe. Yeah. And once I believe in this, I feel life just became much easier because mm-hmm. uh, I don't, I don't get upset by small things, and mm. I don't care about being fair if people, if this is fair between me and the other person, because I realize it's all about me and God. And uh, if uh, if I'm doing, uh, doing the things I believe I'm doing, and. Uh, uh, maybe this person is not tre- treating me back f- fairly, but uh, the universe knows, and uh, uh, I will be treated the way I treated the universe. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a it does help kind of 
when you start thinking almost karmically of yeah. like what energy I do feel like the energy that people put out they tend to get back yeah and so like a lot of unfair things happen and there's really awful people doing awful things and it doesn't seem like they get any kind of punishment but mm-hmm. But they also don't seem very happy. Yeah. <laughs> they don't seem like happy people. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I do think it helps kind of um, appreciate like we are part of our environment. Yeah. And so do we want to make that a loving place or uh-huh. like a, a resentful place or an angry yeah. place or a jealous place? And yeah. And uh, when I feared God that time yeah i i think god was through me like i i realized like no matter what happens to me uh doesn't matter because god like the universe gave me this creative energy yeah and whatever the like the world throw up at me i have the power to rewrite my narrative and my my uh, version of the story and uh, uh, even horrible things happen. If I if I have this power, I can make it funny. And mm-hmm. then I realize, oh, actually, my happiness doesn't depend on what happens to me, but it uh, fully in my control how I see it. Yeah, yeah, that was something. Also, I realized having the cancer is mm-hmm. like my mood and happiness was completely independent mm-hmm. of like these kind of things going on around mm-hmm. me it's really something like some days I would be really depressed and some mm-hmm. days I would be totally happy and fine mm-hmm. and joyous and mm-hmm. it's really some yeah I mean it's also cliche but it really comes from within and how you know how you see things and um wow. it's not so much about these external factors mm-hmm. this is uh, really really beautiful and uh, inspiring and uh, uh, I strongly believe like a uh, one day you will be able to to tell the story and uh, make beautiful art with it. Yeah. And uh, I'm very, very looking forward to it. Thanks. Where did you do your uh, one-woman show? Uh, I'm doing it all over the Berlin, like uh, with different venues. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's really cool. If you are interested, like can... I can help you to schedule a date and uh <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will, I will. Let me get let me get through the end of my treatment and like process a little bit and then, uh, and then I'll put a date on. I yeah. I agree with you that I think it's something that I should do and yeah. like I can feel it calling yeah. to me, but yeah. it needs to needs, needs time. to percolate a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Needs time, needs space. Yeah. Needs a little bit of distance. Yeah. Yeah. Cool then uh, I I I I strongly believe we we are going to collaborate uh, one way or another. I would love yeah. that, and um, yeah, I have more. <laughs> uh, the mental health stuff too is something I've been steeped in my whole life. So um, I I think it's great that you're also bringing that into your uh, art and you know podcasts and just um, bringing visibility to it. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool, cool. Like, uh, I, I really, really love this podcast that it gives me so much uh, 
opportunity to talk with different people. Mm-hmm. Like uh, without this podcast, I wouldn't uh, get to know you. Yeah. And uh, now I'm just so inspired, and uh, I'm really, really happy for you. Like uh, you seem to be in a very good uh, mental space. And uh, people always uh, say that, but I'm not sure. <laughs> 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 I'm not sure that that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, uh really really great. Let's uh, let's keep in touch and uh uh make art uh, one day. Definitely. Yeah. So cool. Um I I need to close this episode. Yeah, cool. For this episode, um uh I want to shout out to my uh patron subscriber Pia like uh Pia have come to see my first uh, first solo show, and then he came to see the same show again, and he wrote me uh, nice words, and uh, he become my patron. Yay. And uh, thank you so much uh, for all the encouragement and uh, uh, letting me more believe believe in myself a little bit more, uh, and. Uh, uh, because audience like you make me feel, oh, actually, it's not about how many audience I have per week. It's about uh, at least I'm touching someone and I'm, I'm changing someone's perspective and I'm, I'm making impact uh, even to one person and it's totally worth it. And I'm so happy I'm doing this. Uh, besides that, uh, I'm... Uh, now I'm performing Berlin. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm performing uh, my my solo show, Child from Wuhan, all over Berlin, almost like every week, different venues. Check it out at uh, Uh And uh, I exciting news to share from today. Uh, I just got ad- admitted to Edinburgh Fringe. Uh, yeah to perform my my solo show uh at uh, the legendary uh venue uh the sweet sisters uh at a very good uh, time i'm really 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 happy and i feel so blessed uh and uh if you haven't seen my solo show please uh check my website uh, get your tickets and um Thank you, Sarah, for, for being here, share your story with us today. Thank you for having me. And since we're plugging things, you can mm-hmm. follow me at Pinup Soprano on Instagram <laughs> if you're <laughs> interested in seeing me perform or just seeing what I'm up to. Yeah, I will write your contact uh, in the description also. Cool. That's today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you stay safe, stay alive, and stay happy. You can cry sometimes, but mostly happy. (laughs) Okay, bye-bye. Bye.